Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good training camp Monday, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming on here at Birds 365. You'll get a triumvirate of voices here to get you going on this Monday morning. Yours truly, Jody McDonald. Rick Saratella doing the co-host thing. John McMullen doing the guest thing because he's got to run over to practice. But he'll give us all his insights for them from the last several days of camp uh, before uh, he gets off to the Novacare Complex. Uh, Mr. Saratella, how was your weekend? 
Hey, I can't complain, Jody Mack. The summer's coming to a close out here at the Jersey Shore. A little humid, a little uh, damp today, but a beautiful, gorgeous weekend here in New Jersey. And football back underway all across the U.S. of A. Uh, John McMullen has spent the last several days doing what he's going to do for the next five months, making the mm. trek from New Jersey across the bridge to the uh, Novacare Complex where the Eagles are working out. Johnny Mack, Eagles have gotten in a couple days practice since we last spoke here on Birds 365. Defense way ahead of the offense, huh, bud? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, well, it's not close. I mean, that's the typical way it's supposed to be in the NFL, right? We always hear the defense starts in front of the offense, but it, it really started in front of the offense, which is, you know, depending how you look at it, you could say it's really, really impressive. Uh, or, you know, glass is half full. It's not great for the offense. Um, what, what throws a little curveball into it for me is um, – the Eagles, basically all their new pieces are on defense. Um, as Jason Kelsey pointed out, the offense is the same, except they added A.J. Brown, which is pretty good. Um, so they should be the ones with a little bit more chemistry. Uh, but the defense is complete. They completely shut them down on Friday. Uh, Saturday wasn't quite as bad. But I mean, if they if they complete a pass ten yards down the field, it's news. Um, <laughs> at least with the first team, and that's a pause. James Bradbury was unbelievable on on Saturday. Avante um, Maddox has been great. Slay's been great. Uh, Marcus Epps has been great. Um, so it's all positive from the defensive standpoint. Not as positive from the offense. So you know, I know. I know people get upset about negativity and you, you, you know, first of all, the quarterback is not going to be hurt by criticism. So don't worry. He's not a delicate flower. He's very good. He understands uh, the process. He's not going to pay attention to people like me. So don't worry about that. He's not, he's not the shrinking violet. Number two though. Look, I think, and I've said this, I've said this before. Jalen Hurts is not a practice player. I mean, the things he does well, you blow the whistle, right? He's extending plays. Here comes the whistle. Um, that kind of stuff shows up on Sundays. The second part, today's the first day you can put on the pads. We'll see if the Eagles do. They can, but as we know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take advantage of it. I do believe they'll have the pads on. When they do put the pads on, it makes it more difficult for the defense because the strength is that offensive line. Physicality starts to get into it. We're at least cosplaying football, I joke, when they put on the pads. We're getting closer, so that should help the offense. But if you want to be honest, what do we want to see Jalen Hurts get better at? Throwing the football consistently. Hasn't been good in the first three days. You know, first day, late throw, Marcus Epps interception. Second day, Avante Maddox baits him, interception. And by the way, he used that word. Dallas Goddard used that word, bait. That's not me. They baited him, interception. Uh, Saturday, he rolls to the left. His Zoolander-like kryptonite, I call it. Can't go left. That's what Tampa Bay does. What does he do? Tries to throw the football back across his body in the middle of the field like he's Patrick Mahomes. Interception, Andre Sachere. All you can do is report what's going on there. 
Not good. Not good to this point. But the pads come on today. Well, you know, you mentioned throwing to the left seems to be an issue for Jalen Hurts. So I want to see him kind of work through that in training camp and try to progress. But you mentioned, you know, he doesn't read the press clippings. If he does, he doesn't let you know. Uh, the criticism, there's plenty of it, goes right off his back like the shower water. Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, not, as not much. so much. <laughs> you know, much, uh, yeah. we saw Miles Sanders taking second team practice reps, which we shouldn't really make a big deal of. But there were some in the media that wrote about it. Miles Sanders kind of talked about it. And then we have Debo Samuel with his new contract. Uh, I think four wide receivers getting some big paydays. He wanted to take to Twitter and just remind everybody, hey, uh, you know, it was the Titans' fault. See, I told you so. Uh, what do you make into the interaction or or the criticism that these guys are reacting to? Well, with Miles, yeah. I mean, the Eagles, he is a little bit different. First, a couple things. First of all, it wasn't, it, it wasn't normal for him to get second-team reps last season. Was not at all. So that's revisionist history. I don't know what the heck Nick Sirianni's talking about. At this time, remember, Kenny Gainwell was a rookie. He's not getting first-team reps. You see what they do with the rookies this year. Yeah. Uh, Boston Scott was a non-entity. Uh, they didn't care about Boston Scott. He wasn't getting first-team reps. So that's why it became a rotational thing. And in his mind, he's saying, well, we're just rotating the backs. Um because now he trusts Kenny Gainwell more, and now he trusts Boston Scott more, which is fine. That's a good thing. But it was rare, and that's why people wrote about it, and I'm one of them. I didn't make a big deal out of it because it's, you know, they were rotating the backs. And I said, Miles Sanders is by far the best running back on this team. Miles Sanders is the lead running back. He's going to be the starter if he's healthy. All that part is true. Nick made a big deal out of it. Yesterday, the first play was probably the best play for the offense. Miles got loose for a big run. Um, again, no pads, so I don't know how meaningful it is, but Nick Sirianni ran over. The reporters were there. Miles is taking first-team reps. Miles is taking – he's the starter. They made a big deal. He's the starter. He is the starter. As far as A.J. Brown in Tennessee, look, he, he, he doesn't like how Tennessee handled uh, the situation. And he's right. You know, you look at Terry McLaurin, you look at DK Metcalf, you look at Debo Samuel. He said, we basically all got the same contract. So don't blame me that I'm out of Tennessee. Blame Tennessee. And then he said, let's go birds or something like that. But, um, you know, it's funny. Howie Roseman was the one who said, and Jody knows this, sometimes you got a zig when everybody zags, but then he ended up paying the receiver anyway. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's the one that zigs. So we'll see who's right. Everybody else, the Eagles went with the crowd. So we'll see if Tennessee's right or the Eagles are right. John, following up uh, where Rick was going on the Miles Sanders second team rep thing. Um, as a matter of fact, the first time anybody got a chance to come in at whatsoever might have been with me. I was on uh, WIP. I went here on uh, Birds 365 on Friday. And we had Elliot Shore Parks on shortly after camp ended. And I asked him the question, how did the Eagles lead running back look catching the ball today? Because I want to know if Miles was doing a good job catching any uh, flat passes he got. He goes, Jody, the Eagles lead running back was not Miles Sanders, if that's who you're referring to. And I, I had no idea that he had taken second team reps. And Elliot pointed out that 
zero practices last year was Miles Sanders not the lead back. Take not according to Nick Sirianni, but Elliot's right. Elliot yeah, Elliot's right. Yeah. I, you got to give Elliot he keeps yeah. good, copious notes on the Eagles in practice. So I certainly believed Elliot when he said it. And uh, that uh, that is the case as far as I'm concerned. So it was a notable story. Uh, if the Eagles don't like the fact that it's a notable story, if they want to try and change the narrative after the fact, they can go ahead and try. But it was a notable story. And I'm a little worried that Miles got as bent out of shape as he did. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That he's already nervous, he's already complaining, he's already whining, or... Yeah, he's got a burr under his saddle, and he's going to play that much more motivated. Which way is this going to spin going forward? I think more the latter. Look, it doesn't matter. The Eagles don't care if he doesn't like us, so they blame it on us, which is fine. Um, and if they that creates a, a chip on his shoulder, the real chip on his shoulder should be the contract situation. The Eagles have no interest in extending him right now. And by the way, I don't disagree with the Eagles' perspective from that. Um, nature of the position, his injury history, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's the real issue. And he's already got a chip on his shoulder. And if this helps him even more that people are saying he's second team, he's not second team. He took second team reps. They are rotating the guys. I think it has more to do with more trust than Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott than anything to do with Miles Sanders. In fact, they probably think it'll help Miles Sanders, less wear and tear in August when it's meaningless, uh, and maybe that saves his legs a little bit for the season. So, you know, it depends where you want to go. The Eagles are telling the truth. He's a starting running back. There's no question about that. Um, But they're not telling the truth about things have changed with the reps. For whatever reason, I guess that upset Miles – and if he uses it in a positive fashion, it's it's who cares. But, yeah, it was definitely a story, Jody. I mean, it didn't happen last year. But I think people – I do think people went the wrong direction with why it's happening this year versus why it didn't happen last year. Last year, they didn't have trust in any of the other running backs. This year, they have trust in other running backs, which I think is a positive. Yeah, I, I could see Gainwell kind of being the X factor of the Eagles offense this year. I know he never uh, took more than 40 percent of the snaps in any single game, I believe, a year ago. But he still managed, I think, 536 rushing yards. I think he's getting more acclimated to the offense. And, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Kenneth Gainwell is toting the the, the cow's bell share of the, the carries by the end of the season. So uh, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on. Let's switch over to the defense, though, uh, Johnny, because – you know, you, it's like roll so smooth. You got Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox. It's the big three. It has Zach McPherson now become the uh, fourth horseman. It seems like his play has stepped up this year. There was a lot of praise for him coming out of Texas <clears throat> Tech. Has he taken the next step, in your opinion? Um, Slay talked him up pretty well. He's clearly the fourth corner. Like he's clearly ahead of the cast of thousands uh, with them to be sort of the backup slots. And, and that makes sense because as you mentioned, right, the Eagles drafted him. So, you know, uh, to take Gowans of the world, Mac McCain, Kerry Benson, they, they weren't, they were late. Uh, they were in season, acquisition so they weren't here for training camp the eagles didn't have them for as long 
Um, so they're more comfortable with that. As good as the the top three Eagles cornerbacks are, and I think they're really good. I think, you know, if Bradbury's healthy, he just looks he, you know, he was he was covering uh AJ Brown in one-on-ones on Saturday. He just locked him down. I mean, he just locked him down. And then in team drills, they went deep to Devontae Smith. Uh-uh. Nothing. I I'm this guy can play. And I, I remember Jody, we had I think it was Pat Leonard who covered him every day last year and and said he was fighting through some kind of injury um, last season. So maybe that explains why I had a little bit of a down year. But the Eagles are good at corner. Um, now, if Slay or Bradbury goes down, do I have confidence in Zach McPherson? Well, he's not going to play like those guys, but is he going to play at least to an acceptable level? I wouldn't be comfortable with that right now, but you know, depth is difficult in the NFL. All right, Johnny, let's move from corner to the safety position where it's very much more an unknown than corner where uh, you and the Eagles are feeling very good about the, what they've got right there. Safeties were all question marks coming into camp. Who's going to start? Who's going to play? How many are going to be used? Is there someone that could fight their way into the mix? Give me the John McMullen scouting report. Three practices in on the play of the safeties. Uh, Marcus has been good. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm not even questioning Marcus Epps as a starting safety. I didn't think I'd be there. Um, but, boy, he works hard. He's He's got a lot of – T.J. Edwards is the same type of guy. Like, I think because of where they came in, um, if you saw T.J. Edwards uh, – um, on social media, working out with TJ Watt. Like, he's not the same guy physically that he was when he got here. Um, same thing with Marcus Epps. He owns his own gym in, in Southern California. Um, he looks like a completely different guy physically from what he was when he was a rookie. And I always talk about um, people think, and Rick knows this from – from his draft work, you know, people think you draft a good player or a bad player, and that's it. All right, we drafted a good player, we drafted a bad player, that's it. I tell you all the time, Jody, player development is real. Yep. From their perspective, they just they just work and work and work. So the TJ Edwards who ran a four seven eight, I think it was, he doesn't exist anymore. Uh, the Marcus Epps who was undersized and and not physical he doesn't exist anymore he might be the most physical safety the eagles have so um it's marcus epps has looked really good in three days and i think it's only going to get better when when the pads go on uh anthony harris he's been you know dealing with covid the remnants so he's ramping up Kayvon wallace has gotten a lot of first team reps not really uh, standing out as much, uh, but no surprise there. Jaquaski Tart, and it is Jaquaski. They made a big deal. To, it's Jaquaski, even though it's an I. It's Jaquaski. Um, uh, he, you know, we talked to Denard Wilson, the secondary coach, said he's having trouble uh, with the terminology shift, so it's been a little snow, slow. 
you know, I look back to Steve Nelson last year. He didn't have a problem with it. So maybe there's something to worry about there. It's definitely the weakness, safety on the defense, but it, it's a little bit more positive because of, of Marcus Epps' development. You, you mentioned Andre Chicheri from uh, San Jose State. He had a couple uh, interceptions so far, I see. Obviously brings a lot to the table on special teams. Uh, has he kind of leapfrogged uh, Kayvon Wallace here in, in the depth chart early on, do you think? No, Kayvon's when, – when, when Anthony wasn't there, Kayvon got all the first-team reps. Um, and then it's Tart, and then it's Sacheray. Um, you know, he's – are you keeping four safeties or are you keeping five? I I think Andre Sacheray is still about, you know, what can he do on special teams? Um, and I think that's his role – on this particular team, but it's nice to see him out there making plays occasionally and, and getting some confidence. Um, but he's clearly, I would say the fifth safety. And I don't know if he can keep five safeties. Um, so he'll, he'll make this team on special teams. So it, you know, he was great. He was sort of like the gunner version of Aaron Sipos. When he first got, he was great at it. And then all of a sudden, he woke up one day and he couldn't do it and he got benched. Um, so he's got to be more consistent in that aspect of the game. Uh, following up on your comment about if you are the player you were drafted for your entire career, yeah, we wouldn't have Jason Kelsey. He was a day three pick who was supposed yeah. to be a nice backup <laughs> center. Blah, blah, blah. He's going to the Hall of Fame. So, yes, uh, player development is a thing and absolutely can change a uh, young man and the team's overall status if they uh, get the right toolage and they're as dedicated as they need to be. But speaking of Kelsey, he decided over the weekend to take a pot shot at the Philadelphia media. Whatever the no, Philadelphia Kelsey? media says, Eagles are going to oh, be good. Yeah. They stink. And he didn't use the word stink. Um, and whatever the Philadelphia media thinks they're going to be spitty, they turn out being real good. All right, Jason, way to bite the hand at Fiji. He's going to want a media job when his career is over and done with. Just remember he had this to say. Uh, yeah, I get it for the most part. And that's Philadelphia media and that's Philadelphia fans and a whole bunch of people. And it's a problem with the Eagles that they go up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, Jason media, uh, Jason Kelsey just being real. Just giving you his yeah, honest back, trying to make he, a statement. Yeah. What do you take out of his statement? He was joking around when he said you that. Think so? but yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even know what you're talking about when you said it. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, we were we were having fun. And and um, you know, with Jason, first of all, then people should like the fact that we say, okay, the offenses look really bad in the first couple practices then they should like it because right. most of the media think this is going to be a good team so i think he was more trying to say doesn't matter how much talent we have we have to go out and work hard because some of the times we we've had good teams the dream team blah 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 uh talent howie roseman said the same thing by the way um when he talked to us on all the days run together i think it was wednesday but um he said the same thing. You know, some of our most talented teams haven't been our best teams, and some of the less talented teams have overachieved Super Bowl, obviously. Um, 
and and Jason sort of said the same thing. So it's about, you know, the locker room and it's about guys working hard. You just can't roll out there and say you're a good team. And I think that's all he was trying to say. He did he was just Kelsey always jokes around. He's not he's not taking shots. You know, I know the offense has struggled, John, but the offensive line uh, sounds like they look somewhat uh, clean. I mean, Lane Johnson is is healthier. Uh, Dillard is is in the best shape of his life, from what I've heard. Uh, Jordan Malata, you talk about his development going from a developmental player to now a veteran leader, and and where some of the younger players are looking up to him. How has the offensive line looked? Uh, let's look good. Real quick, I just want to jump in. Six games for Deshaun Watson. Six games, oh. which does not surprise me because Sue Robinson, I've told Jody's a judge. She's going to rely on precedent. Um, so she relied on precedent. Ezekiel Elliott, Ben Roethlisberger. Six games for Deshaun Watson. We'll see what the fallout is from here. It's not going to be good for the NFL. I will say that. So we'll see if they appeal. Um, but six games for Deshaun Watson, which I think the Browns can live with if it ends up like that. Um, offensive line, Rick, you were talking about. I mean, that's the thing where you have to have hope if you're the Eagles, uh, because if you're an Eagles fan, because of the offense looking looking uh, shaky. When those pads go on, everything changes because that offensive line is so good. Um, you know, you're not allowed to be physical. <laughs> until the pads come on and really until the regular season, let's be honest, but it starts to show up a little bit more and yeah, Lane Johnson's healthier. Uh, Jordan Mylana is getting better and better. We just talked about Kelsey. Um, uh, Landon Dickerson's only going to get better and better and better. And Isaac Sayamala, one of the most positive uh, things of the early camp was when we left OTAs, Isaac said, I'm not sure if I'm going to be fully cleared for training camp coming back from that Liz Frank surgery, he had two surgeries, one to put in the hardware, one to take it out. Um, he said he wasn't sure he would be a full go and he was a full go. So he's settling in. It's going to be, if it's not the best offensive line in football, it's top three, top five at worst. So that's the strength of the Eagles offense. It remains the strength of the Eagles offense. All right, Johnny Mac, we know you got to run here in a couple minutes, but I do want to follow up. Uh, I think it's ironic that Sue, Sue Robinson comes out with her uh, announcement like 35 minutes early. Last night was being reported <laughs> it was going to happen at 9 o'clock, and it breaks at 8.25. She drags her feet for weeks, but then beats the clock and gets out with an early statement, which is, in my opinion, humorous. Um, Goodell is going to handle this, right? The NFL is not just going to rubber stamp it and go, okay, six games. Um, I loved what the NFL PA did last night. Uh, they've got, yeah, like they're a, trying to, they've yeah, got a slingshot in their hands yeah. and they go, we're willing to put down our slingshot. We're just going to accept whatever she says. The NFL has an Uzi in its head, and they expect the NFL to put down their Uzi, which is the fact that well, Goodell I, I, my, my, What I was laughing at most is, and they shall remain nameless, but you had some people put out, oh, no, they don't know what the suspension is going to be. Oh, they they were very aware. The whole thing, why it took so long was settlement talks. Uh, and and uh, Judge Robinson wanted the two sides to settle. 
And that's why uh, it, it, it took as much time as it did. The NFL, from the NFL standpoint, their strategy was clear as well. They leaked they wanted a year to look top in the court of public opinion. That's why they leaked that information. Um, now, I think their hope is we, we could say, look, the, the, the process has changed. It's independent. Judge Robinson made her decision, and people would accept that. I think they're going to be very um, shocked at about how people don't ex- accept that. They are going to blame the NFL. You already see it. Calvin Ridley got suspended for a year, and uh, 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 sexual misconduct, 22 set, you only get six games. Now, it's very difficult to explain to the average fan, one is a completely rigid, structured penalty, collectively bargained. The other is open to interpretation by an independent arbiter. Those are, that's very difficult to, to explain to a casual fan. I, I tried to do it for years with marijuana. The penalties were very structured. So they would say, you can smoke, you can't smoke weed in the NFL, but you can uh, have domestic violence. One was a structured penalty. One was not. It is very difficult to explain that to people. They don't get it, to be perfectly blunt. The NFL is going to get blamed for this. So it depends how they handle the fallouts. They wanted to rely on, on, on Sue Robinson's decision. They wanted to say, you know what? We wanted a year, but she decided on six games. She's the final call. Six games it is. To me, it depends on how big the the the, the sort of backlash is. And I think the backlash is going to be huge, to be honest, from my perspective. Now, hold on. When you, when you say backlash, you mean backlash against six games or backlash against the NFL coming in and going, no, 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 six games is enough. Yes. We're, we've got the hammer we're going to dictate. Backlash? No, not backlash from the NFL. Backslash from back backlash from the general public. I think the league would like to take the six games and be done with it. And they don't want to get involved with appeals. They don't want to get. They don't want to go down that road. But if it gets to the point like it did in Ray Rice, Rick, you're in Atlantic City, I believe. Um, if it gets to the point of that where everybody just says this is awful. And they're all going. They're not going to blame Sue Robinson. They're going to blame the NFL. Yeah, I guarantee you guys, they're going to say exactly what I said. Calvin Ridley gets suspended a year for betting. He gets suspended six games for uh, twenty-two sexual misconduct allegations. That's how it's going to go. People don't understand. One is structured. One isn't. Um, how does the NFL handle it? I think they want to wash their hands of it. Will they be able to do that? I'm not sure. Man, I'll tell you that that's the equivalent, I guess, uh, of a 330, you know, 333,000 fine, I guess, because he's only making a million bucks this yeah. year. Well, so fine. The, the, the kudos to his agent for working out that deal. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see, especially uh, from the women's groups, have a big, oh, big yeah. problem with this suspension. And, and it's all going to be on the NFL. It's not going to be on. And uh, I think, yeah, and I think Ray Rice, I believe that, that the Ray Rice video came out after, after the suspension, yeah. right? And, and I they wonder, tried to, they tried I wonder if there's a smoking gun out there. I mean, what if a <laughs> 
Deshaun Watson. Oh, don't say that. (laughs) Well, there's some rumblings. I'm just saying. Yeah. If there's a smoking gun out there, oof, it's going to get ugly. And and let us let us not forget, guys, that the NFL has wanted the suspension to be open ended forever. That they are fearful of a potential smoking gun. Indefinite suspension is what the NFL has floated several different times. And that's why I think the, the hammer's coming out, John. You've said you think the NFL would like to just let this go. If they believe and perceive that it will not get much uh, outrage from the fan base, they'll just accept the six games and everybody will move on. I don't think there's any way the NFL does that because of the fear of a potential smoking gun, because they want it indefinite. Because who knows? Yeah, the suspension starts, and all of a sudden, here comes one of those two cases that hasn't been settled yet, and they've got more information than anybody else. How much egg would the NFL have on its face then? Oh, no, I think they want to keep this very open-ended and uh, not just say, okay, six games. Shoot, six games, that's a that's a, a long vacation. And then he's going to be back in the National Football League. Oh, I yeah. think there's no way. The well, NFL I mean, there's this giant. He, he settled uh, three more cases. So one is open. Um, one is open ended. I do think um, from the perspective of if there's any new allegations, you don't have to worry about what Rick was talking about, that double jeopardy clause. So I don't think you have to worry as much about the open ended part. Um, the NFL PA and Deshaun have pretty clearly stated that they're going to uh, take this to federal court if the NFL overturns uh, Sue Robinson's decision, which is their right. So buckle in if they appeal this thing. But if they it's go to going... court, can they? They can't possibly win, right? It's yeah, collectively it, bargained that Roger Goodell has final say. Yeah, historically, and every time they've gone to federal court, they have won battles, but they have lost wars, and by that mean. By that, I mean the NFL always wins in the end because of what you just said, Jody. They collectively bargain this. Tom Brady was the closest. He was a, he was on the verge of going to the Supreme Court of the United States about deflated footballs, but that's another thing. Now, that's not what the Supreme Court was prepared to argue. They were prepared to argue does Roger Goodell and the NFL have the right to suspend Tom Brady? People don't understand that as well. They're arguing very limited things. And Ted Olson, who was, and I got a chance to talk to him, former U.S. Solicitor General, he said, you're not winning this, so we can go. I'll argue it for you. But you're not winning because what people don't understand is if the Supreme Court overturns a collective bargaining agreement involving the NFL that opens the Pandora's box to every other CBA in every other aspect. So that's why the NFL wins always wins at the end, but yeah, we're going to have a lot of hurdles. Uh, The NFL PA is going to win some battles, but yeah, if you're asking me for a prediction, there's no way the Supreme court overturns a collectively bargained CBA because that will create so many more headaches and other aspects of society for them. And I am predicting that's exactly where we're headed. 
the NFL will not just say, all right, six games, good. Thank you, Sue. I don't believe that. I believe that uh, Roger Goodell, there will be an appeal and Roger Goodell will set, set a new bar. Uh, Johnny, you, I know you got to run. You got to get over there. I uh, can't miss Coach Sirianni. Yeah, Tell Nicky Boy go. we said hi. Uh, and uh, we'll get you back here tomorrow, brother. Safe travels. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it, Johnny. John McMullen, uh, host, co-host uh, with me here on Birds 365. Most days, but not today, because he's got to get the Eagle practice. Rick Saratella coming in and uh, filling John Void for me. Come back, got a bunch of Eagle stuff and league stuff I want to get into with Rick Saratella. Next here with us on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Monday morning edition of Birds 365 here on the Dick and the YouTube channel. 
You've got Rick Saratella in for John McMullen. In case you're just streaming in, Johnny Mac was with, was with us, but he needed to get over to the Novacare Complex where the Eagles will be practicing again today. Nick Sirianni uh, speaks in about an hour from now, so Johnny Mac had to uh, hightail it over there. He gave us his insights from the first several practices of the Eagles, and uh, yeah, I'm going to go in-depth with uh, Rick Saratella here for the next half hour or so. Uh, Kevin Kincaid from uh, Crossing Broad uh, will hop aboard with us in hour number two. We'll get uh, KK's uh, take on the birds. I know he made it to one Eagle practice over the weekend. Uh, but before we get more into the Eagles, I want to continue to follow up with you about the decision that came down. Sue Robinson's decision was announced approximately 15 minutes ago, which was early because uh, most uh, places reported they thought that the uh, decision would be released at 9 a.m. So she uh, all of a sudden got uh, not only punctual, but ahead of time, uh, did Sue Robinson. Uh, the ini- uh, re- initial decision is that it'll be a six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. But I think, as most people know, because it's been so often discussed, the NFL has the final hammer here that if either side does not like the decision that Sue Robinson had made, that they could appeal the decision. Well, the appeal goes to Roger Goodell. So then Roger Goodell gets to decide how many games Deshaun Watson gets. Either way, either side appealed, didn't matter the players, are, and Roger Goodell wasn't going to take Sue Robinson's decision and lessen it, that's for damn sure, as the head of the appeals uh, department. Uh I know that they would like to move on. I know the more that Birds 365 and every other media outlet talks about it, the NFL would just like to get back to talking about football and hope that the the whole Deshaun Watson thing can get pushed to the back burner. That's not going to happen, Ricky. My opinion is there's no way the NFL just signs off on this and says, yes, in conjunction with the NFLPA, this new process proved that it works, and yes, we'll accept the six games. You don't think there's any way the NFL is just going to wink and nod and go, okay, six games is enough for us. I think the public backlash is going to apply the pressure. And in a way, uh, maybe Roger Goodell looks like the good guy coming out of this thing and says, hey, you know what? That's not good enough. We're going to suspend them longer. And, you know, I see I see that coming down the, the, the – I mean, look at the chat room here little fire. I mean, people are upset about it. And I think that's going to be the consensus reaction. So I'm surprised that this uh, decision came out on a Monday morning media news cycle, because now it's going to be the talk of the week. And I think some of that has to do with Sue Robinson. I I do believe, and I've been critical of her that this has taken so long to decide. We had weeks and weeks, months of building up to, the fact that there was going to be a case and she had to be selected. It wasn't like she was waiting all those months, but uh, she surely had time to, uh, to get prepped and ready for the hearing that they had. The hearing lasted a couple of days and then it took weeks before her decision came out. I didn't quite understand why it took as long as it did. I think this speculation that she was hoping tried to talk the two sides into uh, coming to an agreement on their own and not having to have her render a decision. Well, it didn't work. And the waiting didn't help. And the fact that we're talking about it every day here on Birds 365 and on the radio and on TV and talking heads and everywhere else, I, it didn't work that it, the process took as long as it did. Well, I got another procedural question. 
when the, the Players Association already got on the record, and I give them credit for being uh, uh, ahead of the curve, they got on the record and said, we're going to accept Sue Robinson's decision, uh, whatever it may be. And Johnny suggested that they had a pretty good idea what it was going to be. It wasn't going to be a full year. So the NFLPA could go, yeah, we'll accept whatever she says. You didn't get the NFL saying that last night. I didn't think you were going to get it, them saying it last night because they didn't have to. Because they've got the eventual hammer. If there's an appeal, it goes back to Goodell. How long does the NFL have to appeal? Are we talking about 24 hours, 48 hours? Is there a week? I should know this. I don't off the top of my head. I hope you do. Do you know how long the either of the two sides have to appeal this verdict? I don't know how long the appeal process is, but I would imagine that the NFL does want to get some clarity and move on before the season starts. And I think the tough part here really is when you are uh, reviewing these incidents, Uh, Deshaun Watson, whether you like it or not, he's never been proven guilty in the court of law. So these are really just allegations and you have to review the evidence, see what's out there and make a decision you know, I saw I saw somebody in the chat room say, hey, th- these are credible ladies. Well, I, some of these girls are not so credible. I actually did some diving into their backgrounds and, and you know, some of them came out of the woodworks and I'm not downplaying anything Deshaun Watson did by any means. But there was some fabrications, apparently, uh, allegedly on Deshaun Watson's lawyer side, Rusty Hart and good old Rusty. So I think that's where, you know, it gets tricky is. What has Deshaun Watson been proven of? Are we talking about facts? Are we talking about allegations? And I think that's where it becomes a dicey situation. And, you know, I think that everybody's going to be dwelling on the appeal and the process. There are some ramifications on the field and how this could um, play out for the Browns, how it could play out for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think there are some ripple effects. Right. But um, you're right about proof. Uh, no, No one stepped into a courtroom to provide proof on any of this. They are all just allegations. But the other thing you have to consider is the great majority of them now been settled. We don't know what the number was that they settled at. Don't know if they got 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks, 200,000 bucks. We have no idea. They've done a very good job at keeping that under wraps. I'm sure there are NDAs, which the... Texans tried to advise to show that NDAs were a good idea. Ouch. Um, but I'm sure there were NDAs included in the settlements. We don't know how much each settled for. It could have been minimal, uh, minimal or it could have been a pretty good amount. But Deshaun Watson decided to settle rather than continue the fight and go all the way to court. I, I know it doesn't prove anything, but it surely indicates that something went down that probably shouldn't have gone down. If you are accused of something and you didn't do it, then why do you settle? I know expediency and get it over and done with. He's got the money. There are lots of arguments with that, too. But uh, I, I don't know about you, Ricky, but if I got accused of something, I didn't do it. I'd say we'll fight till the day I die. Uh, I'm not just going to accept it and write a check to make it go away. But that's just me. Um, so you do have to keep that in mind when you're judging uh, allegations, uh, perceptions, not facts and evidence in a court of law. Uh, but Jordan did settle on all of these. He's trying to settle in as the quarterback of the Browns. And he's actually got a bunch of practices under his belt. And at least from what I read over the weekend, 
fans pretty receptive and cheering him in the Browns camp pretty mightily. How hard is this for the Browns? They've been dealing with this hanging over their head since camp opened. Now a quasi decision has been made, but you got to find out, well, you know, he's going away for at least some period of time, but if there's an appeal, then it's going to take that much more time slowing it down. How much of a handicap is this to the Browns? Yeah. And just to follow up on your point, I mean, you know, listen, he settled each case was individually negotiated and it could be a different amount. So in the court of the public eye, I agree with you. He is acknowledging that he's guilty in the court of the public eye, but in the court of law in the United States, it's, you know, innocent until proven guilty. He still is an innocent man, whether we like that or not. And, you know, how does the appeal impact the preparation for the Browns? That remains to be seen, but let's just take the six games, for example. Okay. Well, I got to get ready for week one. Deshaun Watson is going to miss the first third of the season. I guess Jacoby Brissett now needs to take the number one reps and get ready for the start of the season, but you still have Deshaun Watson trying to learn a new offense, learn a new teammates. So how do you find that balance? Is it a 50-50 split at, at the first week or two? Does, does Brissett then start to take the lion's share of, of the first team reps as they get closer uh, to the end of the preseason? I think there's a lot – to really consider here. And I also say that uh, the Browns, they had 45 million in cap space more than any other team. So if it was an indefinite or year long suspension, I think they would have definitely been in play with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo six games. I don't think that's enough for them to want to go out and, and get Jimmy G with Jacoby Brissett already there. Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he can hold the fort. I think the Browns are lucky if they go three and three with Brissett in there and then it's Watson time. So we'll, we'll see if it remains six games. I think the preparation for the season though, it does throw a little bit of a monkey wrench. Here's the one thing about Jimmy G and I had a couple of NFL guys just over the weekend on my CBS show. And I consider you a national NFL guy as well, Rick. Um, people keep talking about Jimmy Garoppolo being traded. Jimmy Garoppolo is scheduled to make, 27 28 29 million dollars this year somewhere thereabouts you're really going to pay your backup quarterback that your fill-in quarterback that uh they've been uh, trying to peddle him for the last however many months since they made the decision that trey lance was going to be that starting quarterback and he's still on the 49er roster i know he can't work out but you're you've got the medicals and you know when he will be able to play and will be able to pass what makes you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded? The rest of the league is just waiting for the 49ers to release Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I, is there a team that's going to say, okay, we'll give you a seventh-round pick, and oh, by the way, pay Jimmy Garoppolo what he's scheduled to make, which is close to $30 million as a backup? Or do you think they're going to wait till Jimmy G gets released and then say, all right, now let's negotiate a backup price? No, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo ultimately gets cut. I do think that if I was the New York Giants, I would be all in trying to gain Jimmy G because I think the Giants could change the whole dynamic of their offense and instantly upgrade the most important position uh, on the roster. And the Giants are not tied into Daniel Jones. They did not pick up this 50-year option. They have a new GM and a new head coach that have no allegiance to Daniel Jones. And I think their bye week is like week eight or week nine. So if I can bring in Jimmy G, even at $20 million, I think that's a bargain for a guy like that when you look at some of the salaries of these other quarterbacks. And I think the, the, the tough spot 
is who who's he really negotiating with? Like the Seahawks, we've heard mixed reports. Is is, is there real interest there? Is it lukewarm? Is is Seattle Seattle going to do a three man quarterback battle with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, or or does Jimmy G come in and, and take that starting job? But outside of Seattle and, and, and the G-Man, it's hard to find a uh, a landing spot that makes sense. Right, as a starter. But you were talking about him coming in and holding down the fort until Deshaun Watson comes back from whatever his suspension is. Yeah, there's a bunch of part-time spots where he would fit in as the top backup. But, yes, he's going to start. I think Seattle has been playing coy for six months. That They're just waiting for – they probably inquired, San Francisco said – Here's what we're going to need if we're going to trade him in division. And they said, well, we're not paying that. We, we'll bet you're going to release him at some point, and then we'll scoop him up. Oh, I think Seattle is is definitely going to be a player for Jimmy G if he gets released. And the for me, the question is more when he gets released. I don't think they can trade him. I think they will have to cut him. What do you think the timing's going to be? Does San Francisco actually bring him into camp and have him be there and have to, have to answer those uncomfortable questions once he gets physically cleared to play? Is it as soon as he's physically cleared to play, then they cut him? What do you think the timing on this is going to be? Well, I think right now there's a mutual respect with Kyle Shanahan where, where Shanahan said, hey, Jimmy, just stay home. You don't need to report. You know, We don't need the distraction. He came out in the press conference and said, hey, we've turned the page. We've moved on to Trey Lance. And it was interesting to see John Lynch sitting there next to him. It's the head coach coming out and making these decisions and statements. But um, I think that the 49ers are going to hold their breath and hope uh, a la Sam Bradford, you know, we, we see it. It seems to happen almost every year, week one or the preseason, somebody, some starting quarterback gets hurt for the season. Suddenly Jimmy Garoppolo has uh, stock again. And, he is coming off that rotator cuff surgery on his throwing arm. He just just th- started throwing maybe two weeks ago. So I think, you know, it, it, it depends on how desperate teams get. Now, if they get through uh, the preseason and, and and there's really not a starting quarterback that gets a major injury, I think you got to part ways before the season starts. But I think they are going to hold on to him just to see, hey, maybe, maybe somebody gets in, you know. But starting quarterbacks really aren't playing preseason games anymore. So, you know, it's it's a tricky situation to navigate if you're still trying to get something in return. I think ultimately, again, the 49ers uh, and the rest of the league is going to realize like, hey, uh, that's a lot of salary to carry around for a guy that you told to stay home. We know the inevitable. And when he does hit the open market, you know, I still think he commands 15 to 20 million, even as a backup. It's an excellent point you make about all teams in the NFL are one slip away from watching their starting quarterback go out for a month, two months, three months, the rest of the year. So you're right. There's a whole bunch of teams that fit fall into that category. One that immediately comes to mind off the top of my head, uh, very relevant when it comes to the Eagles, is the Cowboys. If Dak Prescott goes down, their season's over as of right now. Their backup quarterbacks are not going to lift the Cowboys to postseason play. So they'd have to be immediately in on bidding for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'll get back to the question I I kind of asked earlier. At some point, Jimmy G's got to show up for camp, right? He has not been clear. He's been medically cleared, but he hasn't been able to throw yet. So the 49ers have not asked him to come into camp. 
at some point he actually needs to get some practice reps. I know the NFL is all about less is more these days that uh, we don't really work hard in camp anymore. We don't want to risk any injuries, but you do need to get some work in before a season starts. So at some point Garoppolo is going to come in. How uncomfortable is that going to be in the 49er camp? Do the 49ers want to deal with all of that just to hold on to Jimmy G for as long as possible so that they may actually be able to abstract something in a trade with a team that has some uh, tragic injury to their quarterback? I don't know if they open that can of worms. Is it really worth the distraction of bringing in Jimmy G, dealing with the media, facing those questions? What's he doing here? He's not going to be on the team. We all know that. Why are you going to waste? practice reps on a quarterback that isn't going to be here and I, I think that's already been determined so I'm not sure you know I'm not hanging out uh, uh, in San Francisco every day and, and have a real feel for the pulse there but I, I mean if I were to guess I don't think the 49ers are bringing him in at any point and why they're still holding on to him I don't know maybe there's some dialogue I don't know now, when you say made there some dialogue, you mean with other teams for a potential trade? Yeah, I mean, why else are you holding on to a guy? I mean, somebody might be talking to them because otherwise, I mean, we haven't heard anything on the trade market front, and we we really haven't even heard, uh, you know, the, the asking price has been high. What, what exactly has it been? Because I think you could probably steal uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a third-round pick if you're willing to pay him or have the cap space to pay him and – you know, that's, again, going to the limited options at that current $28 million. You know, there's only a handful of teams that have the cap space to even pull that right. trade and maneuver that. So, you know, I think it's inevitable. I don't understand why they're holding on to him or what the current situation is. I don't think he's going to be in training camp because why would you bring in a guy and give him reps? You know, he's not going to be here. You want to get your other backups ready and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, though, is is going to find a home before the season starts. And if uh, Johnny Mack were still here, I know I'd annoy him with this take. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan has misplayed this horribly all offseason. Uh, McMullen thinks he's the best coach in the NFL. And he might be on X's and no purposes, but all he had to say was, we are a lucky organization who's got two starter-quality quarterbacks right now. Um, we're, we're not ready to commit to either one of them. Uh, we're going to wait till train wait till Jimmy gets healthy enough to come in. If I, no, he threw Garoppolo under the bus. He said, we've got our starting quarterback and his name's Trey Lance. And we firmly believe that he's going to be our starter going forward. And the, the players are responding to him. All right. When the coach makes a verbal call and throws the guy who's taking you to two NFC championship games in the last three years under the bus, then you got to get out, Gus. You just got to move on and you got to get rid of them. And if you really mean it, you turn it over to Trey Lance. More power to you. Good luck with that. You might be right. He could be a superstar. But you can't just linger in limbo. That's where the 49ers are right now. They're trying to uh, sit. They needed to hedge to begin with. The coach took a stance, but now the rest of the organization is trying to stay there, sitting on top of the fence. It's not going to work for San Francisco. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you're a little too smart for your own good. Uh, did the 49ers overthink it? Did they play their cards wrong? It looks like they did. Now, that's what happens when you hire, you know, with all due respect to John Lynch. I know he won executive of the year, but first time GM, you've really got a head coach kind of 
calling the shots here. And I know they're working together, but at the end of the day, it ends with Kyle Shanahan. And so I think he, you know, sometimes, as you know, Jody, there's a lot of egos in the NFL. And I think that Kyle Shanahan's ego was, hey, Jimmy G couldn't get us over the hump in that Super Bowl. He decided to move on and he gave up three first round picks to get his guy. Like there's no doubt Trey Lance is his guy. And in this uh, very thin, patient NFL, current NFL landscape that, that we live in, I mean, ha- having a, a, a first-round pick, third overall pick sit on the bench for more than a year seems like an ancient time. Uh, you know, at some point, you got to get on the field. You got to see what you got. The 49ers have seen enough, or Kyle Shanahan has seen enough, where he feels comfortable. And I think the ceiling is higher, right? It's, it's about the upside and taking that next step. And Trey Lance can make the throws, some throws that Jimmy G can't. However, we just haven't seen it in an NFL game. Rick Saratella sitting in for John McMullen with me, Jody Mack on Birds 365 on this Monday. Uh, we'll bring it back over to the Eagles next. Uh, coming up in about oh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board, Hop Aboard, talk all things Eagles with us as well. Hour in the books, one left to play here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears. Caratella filling in for John Cohen here on Word Hey, Max already headed over to uh, the Novacare Complex where uh, Nick Sirianni will speak to the media. And then, well, see, maybe I shouldn't even say that. New week, my guess is it's going to be Sirianni, but they rotate a couple of different coaches in. So he'll talk to one Eagle coach today. I think he'll probably be the head coach, but uh, I don't know that. So uh, we'll have to wait and find out exactly what Eagle coach is going to talk, and it'll get a chance to watch Eagle practice again. A uh, couple of things from Eagle practice first week. John gave us some certainly insight because he was down there, and uh, he's got a firsthand look at things. The one thing we didn't get to, which I wanted to get to, but we got sidetracked by Sue Robinson. I didn't know her decision was going to come in uh, during the time that John was still with us. Eagles with a couple injuries last week. Greg Calcaterra left the field, did not come back. We need an update on that. Milt Williams came out of practice in need time. Zach Paschal with food poisoning. Rick, I thought that's why the Eagles were practicing less, so that they didn't get injured. You can still get food poisoning even if you're only going through 58-minute practices. What the hell? What's going on? Well, to their credit, they they built up the last practice to ninety minutes, so they're they're getting there. Uh, but yeah, that's some kind of food poisoning. I mean, I've had food poisoning, and it's really bad. I've never had three day food poisoning, so I don't know if that's extra precaution because maybe he lost some weight, getting his fluids back, uh, holding him out. I think three three straight practices he's already missed. Calcaterra. I mean, we talked about the durability issues and. You know, more so we we were focused on the concussions, but you hate to see him get dinged up early on in camp uh, as an undrafted free agent, a guy that has uh, some potential here. I think that kind of opens up the door now for Jack Stoll to maybe sneak in and and uh, earn a roster spot at the tight end. I do think, you know, and, and it's the first of the month. Here we are in August. I do think the Eagles will monitor, you know, that that first and second cut down which tight ends are out there on the market. I think they're going to keep their eye on, on the free agent uh, waiver wire there because we talked about the offensive line being the strongest unit. To me, tight end is, is probably the biggest question mark. And after you get past Goddard, you know, what do you really have there? And if he yeah. goes down, boy, boy, Richard Rogers. Okay. You know, stop gap guy, but you know, what are you really working with? Right. And Oh, by the way, Richard Rogers on pop, and Jack and Umpuck. So uh, two guys who would be quarter, uh, legit mid-backup, not good backups, but legit backups and or potential upside backups aren't even practicing. So yeah. that's why, yeah, the Calcaterra injury is 
a, a pretty significant one. You're right. Would not be surprised if that is a position that Harry Roseman keeps his eye on when roster cuts start to come down. But we're still a couple of weeks away from roster cuts, and the Eagles continue to uh, uh, work out practice-wise. And, yes, it's been reported. And if you don't like the numbers that have been put out there on a number of completed passes that Jalen Hurts has in a day-in, day-out basis, then, then just ignore it. Um, but they are what they are. Uh, one thing that has also been reported, and it's a legit question, Ricky, the backup quarterbacks haven't been any good either. It's not like, ooh, Jalen Hurts hasn't looked good and Gardner Minshew's looked great or that Carson Strong has been zipping the ball all over the place. Apparently, the backups haven't looked good either. So it is a offense is behind the defense type thing. Um, I, I gave you credit here on Bird 365 last week because when you and I talk, mostly it's about the lead up to the college draft, which has already started this year. It's a 12 month a year thing. Soon as the draft is over and done with, let's look at next year's draft. Um, I give you credit and that you stayed behind Carson strong all year. You had him highly rated. You did not move off him just because he, he didn't have a boffo season, a good solid season, but didn't have an off the chart season uh, and didn't necessarily impress in any of the postseason work. You stuck by him. You liked the kid. You thought he was a talent, um, even though he did go undrafted and uh, the Eagles gave him a good chunk of change to sign here and be an undrafted quarterback on their roster. Um, you still sticking by your Carson Strong's got a chance to be a player evaluation? Well, hey, I say early indications. He's not making me look very smart, but no, you know, the, the Eagles it's early, though, no, very, yeah. very early. <laughs> but the Eagles did give him 320,000 uh signing bonus or, or, or guaranteed contract for a reason. They saw something there, and I know, uh, from what I've read, I haven't been at Eagles camp, but from what I've heard, is he is like not just missing, but like balls are sailing five yards out of bounds away from the wide receivers. So, I don't know if it's nerves or trying to learn the playbook, uh, limited snaps. He's not doing, he's not making most of the opportunity and we'll see now. Do, do the Eagles keep three quarterbacks? I think that's another legitimate question on this 53 man roster. Do they feel like, you know, did they give them that money because they felt like another team might be interested? Can they afford to stash a, a Carson strong on the practice squad? I don't know if they can do that. I will say Gardner Menchu if anything has brought uh, a, a fireball of energy, I think teammates kind of uh, feed off of that. And he really wasn't here for training camp a year ago. He kind of got here right before the start of the season. So it's the first full training camp for a Gardner Menchu who you can argue. I mean, I don't know, Jody, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Can you name a better backup quarterback in the league right now? Oh, I could throw, throw one name out there and get everybody commenting on the stream here. Uh, the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts have a pretty good backup quarterback. He did some nice things as a backup quarterback here in Philadelphia as well. I don't know Gardner Minshew or that Nick Foles guy. Uh, yeah, there are a couple good quarterbacks, but Gardner is one of, let's just say, one of the top backups in the league, if not the uh, best backup in the league. Uh, yeah, well, and and he is as colorful a character uh, as there is in the NFL when it comes to backup quarterbacks. Uh, don't don't think any of them we have to worry much about because Jalen Hurts, for good, bad, or indifferent, is going to be the guy who's going to get the time. Uh, one of the guys that Jalen may be throwing to this year is Jalen Rager, who has gotten a chance to play 
a little bit more, a couple more reps, given more of a chance because of the Zach Bassel food uh, poisoning. Uh, and uh, everybody that I've read said that he has looked good in camp, that he came in physically ready to compete. The coach is on record saying he's competing for a job, not handing him anything because he's a first-round draft pick. Um, we know the depth chart of the Eagles wide receivers. What do you think is going to happen with Jalen Rager? We've got two joint practices and three preseason games. We can all evaluate practice uh, as much as we want, but when there's an opponent out there, it does change uh, the philosophy a little bit. How do you think Jalen Rager's uh, preseason going to shake out? He going to be here on the birds when the season opens up? We talked about ego, Jody. It's, you know, something else. And when you invest a first round pick in a guy, you know, sometimes your decision-making gets clouded and foggy and, and you can't see uh, through all that fog. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I do think he's going to be wide receiver five. Now it was interesting. They, they did uh, some special teams work. I think on the last practice, Jalen Rieger was not one of the guys returning kickoffs or punts which he needs work on, but maybe they know what they have there. And so if he's not going to be a return man, then I think it does jeopardize his, his roster spot. Now I think it's $8 million in dead cat money. If they do release him, which is another factor to consider. But to me, at the end of the day, he's not one of the five best wide receivers on this roster. And if it was me, I would cut his ass. <laughs> well, and you're right about the, the dead cat money thing, because uh, do you want to just keep him around and pay less. You actually pay less. His salary this year and the prorated money from his contract would be less than what the dead cap hit would be if they were to cut him. So uh, I don't know that they're in position to do that, mm. even if he's just your 53rd guy, that uh, he is the last guy in the roster and doesn't necessarily get suited up all that often on Sunday. I don't think they're going to cut him. I think they'd trade him tomorrow if they could, and they wouldn't ask for much in return. That's going to be a little embarrassing, too, that – uh, two years after the fact, you turn around and trade him for a conditional sixth pick, which could go to a five, depending on how much he plays. Eh, good job, Howie. Um, yeah, I, th I think they would do that. I think they would swallow hard and take that. But I, I don't think they're going to uh, flat out cut him. Um, supposedly, Devontae Smith has not done a lot so far in practice. Now, if you want to put it all on the quarterbacks and say, yeah, that's because the quarterbacks stink. They can't get the ball to Devontae Smith. He hasn't had a bust out a uh, couple practices to start camp this year. A.J. Brown is the shiny new toy. So, yes, he's going to get the most attention. What kind of season do you think uh, Devontae's going to have coming into the year this year? You know, I, I think he's kind of the guy that could really benefit from A.J. Brown the most because pick your poison. Who are you going to double team? There's going to be a lot of targets uh, coming Devonta Smith's way. So, you know, A.J. Brown might be the better player right now today, but I could see Devonta Smith having the most yardage and maybe the most touchdowns. I, I, I'm putting 11, 1,200 receiving yards in for Devonta Smith right now and at least half a dozen touchdowns. I'm not I'm not worried about the slow start in training camp. I think part of that, too, is probably Hurts wanna, wants to build that chemistry, uh, build that rapport with A.J. Brown, get his new guy into the fold. I just hope that it doesn't turn into a situation where, you know, like an Odell Beckham where you have to force feed him and have to get the ball his way to keep him happy. I want Hurts out there just being able to spray the football around and not feeling like, oh, I got to go to AJ because he might call me out, the veteran guy, you know, 
Um, but he's been very supportive of Jalen Hurts. And so I, I think Devonta Smith is going to benefit from, from one-on-one coverage uh, immensely. That's the way I look at it, even though the first couple of days of camp haven't been eye-opening for Devonta Smith. I let you know how many times you and I went back and forth about how you would rank the Alabama wide receivers. And I always had him at the top of the list uh, and was kind of surprised that he came back for another year when he could have left earlier than he did. So I've, I've been a major fan of the player for a couple of years now, Alabama into Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the fact that he will not be going against the other team's number one cornerback week in and week out should be advantageous for him. And despite the fact that A.J. Brown and uh, Jalen Hurts have been buds since before either one of them ever went to college, he did spend several years at Alabama with uh, his new Eagle teammate, did the Eagles quarterback. So he should have a good relationship with both of his wide receivers. So if uh, he can get him the ball there, I think both of those guys uh, will make plays. Uh, Ricky, I don't know that I've gotten your feeling on this uh, during your fill-in times here with John. The whole Jalen Hurts is going to run less thing this year. We know the Eagles want to pass more. If they didn't, they wouldn't have spent $25 million prayer on A.J. Brown. Uh, they want their overall play call look to be different this year and be more effective uh, with the ball going through the air. But to do that, that means you need to cut back on the plays that Jalen Hurts makes with his legs. Some design runs, some just plays where the options aren't there. When he drops back to pass, he takes off, turns it upfield, makes a first down on his own. How much do you think the Eagles offense will feel that, that Jalen Hurts isn't running the football as much as he did? If he's passing it effectively and they're getting first downs and putting points on the board, I don't think anybody's going to complain about it, but... If they're not, if the passing game is a little slow to start the season this year, will we will we be hearing things like, well, why isn't Jalen running? He used to run for 70, 80 yards a game this year. What do you mean he had three runs for 12 yards? That's not enough out of Jalen Hurts. Any chance we get that early on this year with the Eagles? Well, yeah, I mean, the fans will uh... – root for I don't have but I think you know at the end of the day if, if Jalen Hurts rushes for 750 yards again then the Eagles didn't do their job in terms of strengthening the offense because the reason why you know and I, I'm cool hey 500 rushing yards cool 750 again that means that he's not making the reads he's feeling the pressure uh uh, a lot of times, if he was uncomfortable, he would he would take off and run. And I think that's really the the graduation step for Jalen Hurts this year is just being in that offense another year, knowing the system, being able to meet make those reads and progressions. And not only that, Jody, you got to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver the throw and take and absorb a big hit and stay in the pocket and make those plays downfield. Those are the, those are the plays that really make a big difference when you get into postseason football. And so. You know, they can be an efficient offense uh, with a dual threat. Jalen Hurts, you're seeing it all over the league now. But, yes, I think the less he runs, the more successful the Eagles offense can be. Now, I don't want to take that element out of the offense. I want to play it to my advantage, but I don't want it to be so much of a crutch that he's always looking to, to tuck and run. And so, you know, again, I, I, I was here on a Friday, and I think I had Jalen Hurts at about – 36 to 3,800 yards passing, 500 yards rushing. And I think between passing and rushing touchdowns, he should have somewhere in the 30 total touchdown uh, range. 
And people, I think some people forget really how effective Jalen Hurts was running the football this year. I just punched up his game log for last year. Seven for 62, 10 for 82. That's 8.2 yards per carry. Nine for 35, eight for 47, nine for 30, 10 for 44, 13 for 61, seven for 74 against the line. Rush for 10 yards per carry. Uh, 10 for 62, 13 for 55. Uh, against New Orleans, 18. That's a lot of runs for your quarterback. 69 yards, 8 for 77. Uh, they got hurt, missed the game against the Jets, came back 8 for 38. Not terrible against Washington, only 2 for 7 against the Giants. Didn't need to. They won that game handily. And 7 for 44 against Washington. So toward the second half of the year, the numbers got cut back, but I think that was more because of his injury to his ankle than the Eagles made a concerted effort. It'll be very interesting to see how much Jalen Hurts runs the football this year. All right, we are the uh, – we're not the Mac and Mac guys because Saratella's in. It's Rick Saratella and Jody McDonald here on Birds 365. Going to add a third voice to the mix for our uh, final 40 minutes. Kevin Kincaid, crossing board, going to jump aboard with us here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
got Nick Caratella with me, Jody McConnell here on Birds 365. Johnny Mack is at uh, Eagles Camp. Our first and only guest of the day was at Eagle Camp over the weekend. Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad, their lead writer, good enough to hop aboard with us for a couple of minutes. How was your day at camp, big guy? It was good, Jody. I was down there Friday. Decided to drag my butt from Lansdale all the way down to Novacare. You know, might as well show up. If I'm going to write enough about the Eagles, I might as well show up once or twice, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. So, I think I got enough coffee in me now to make a few coherent points, and we'll be, uh, <laughs> you know, ready to go, hopefully. Hey, Kevin, welcome aboard, man. You know, I heard uh, Seriani is really changing things there at camp. And the latest adjustment, I mean, they've worked their way now, I think, from a 58-minute practice to an hour and 15-minute practice to the last one, 90 minutes, finally. And, oh, by the way, no more glaring music. I mean, that was a staple since Chip Kelly for the past 10 years. Is that just a uh, focus on having a run, crisp, fast, clean practice? Yeah, it's crazy when you – I don't think you really uh, realize how fast it is and how brisk it is until you're down there. You know, it feels like you're just getting started, and then you hear the whistle and they're done, you know. Um, but, hey, it works for them, you know. I mean, they have swear by it, and the players seem to like it. And, you know, they went into last season – with one big preseason injury, I guess, right? And everybody else was pretty much healthy and pretty much clean. You can argue about whether they were ready to play or not or when and how much of that was could be attributed to the lack of practice time or whether it was just a new coach and a new system and and trying to figure it out. But, yeah, if they ramp it up slowly, what will be at? What will be at, like, a, an hour and 20 minutes today, an hour, 30 minutes tomorrow? Like, so it's a long, long gone of the days of Andy Reid when it was uh, – you know, multiple sessions in the heat and <laughs> trying to, you know, putting the pads on and, you know, first week or whatever. So, yeah, it does not look anything like it used to down there. All right, KK, I need your take on how we evaluate Jalen Hurts. Some people get annoyed that we actually keep track of how many yeah. footballs do or don't hit the ground, how many interceptions he throws. Do we just chalk it up? and say, all right, well, we know he's a starter. So everybody, please tune back in against the Detroit Lions 40-some-odd <laughs> days from now, and you'll see how good Jalen Hurts is. Or can we actually try and glean something from practice? Different people have varying opinions on how much we yeah. should actually put into what Jalen Hurts is doing in non-game situations. How do you evaluate the quarterback and his readiness for the opener of this season? Not going to do much evaluating on day three, but you know, if you see issues on day four, if you see issues on day five, if you see a sustainable, repetitive pattern where he's making the same mistakes or he's struggling with something specifically, then you can absolutely extrapolate from that. You know, um, day one, he has a good day. Day two, not so good day. Day three, not so good. Okay, well, what if he has three good days in a row? You know, then all the stuff we've been talking about over the weekend, we're not going to be talking about that anymore. So, um, yeah, you're right, Jody. I mean, it's the Q, he's a QB one. He's not going to be losing his job to Gardner Minshew or Carson yeah. Strong these these next couple of weeks. So really, are we wasting our time when we do these over evaluations of it? But, you know, if you say, you know, hey, everything that he throws 15 yards downfield and to his left side has been incomplete. OK, maybe there's a pattern there. You know, if you say, hey, he's having trouble reading beyond the first guy, maybe there's a pattern there and some stuff you can extrapolate from it. But yeah, you just proceed with caution on all this stuff. You know, we're talking about practice, as Allen Iverson once said, right? So, but I think the funny thing is, you know, you, we, we talked, Jody, about how the birds drive everything in Philadelphia, right? There is a demand for the Eagles all the time. I mean, hell, we're doing a show right now called Birds 365, right? Right. So, 
oftentimes the supply can meet the demand. We're in the middle of the season. We have film to talk about. We have great quotes. The games matter. Sometimes you're in parts of the season where we can only supply a certain thing to meet that demand. And the supply may be charting every individual throw that Jalen Hurts throws in a meaningful practice. But that's what people want. You know, people consume that. So it's just on everybody to just take that with a grain of salt and just, you know, focus on the things that matter. If you see concerning repetitive things from Jalen Hurts, okay. But if Kaiser White makes one great play in a vacuum and blows up the backfield, hey, just chalk it up to the defense and just try to look at it pragmatically, you know. Hey, Kevin, keeping it in the backfield, one thing the media has been talking about is Miles Sanders. And uh, he, you know, was a little bit bent out of shape about the reporting that he was taking second team reps. What do you make of the situation earlier on the show? I said Kenneth Gainwell has a chance to be a real X factor in this Eagles offense. How do you see this kind of three headed monster with Boston Scott in the fold here uh, panning out? Yeah, Nick Sirianni clarified on Saturday. He said, you know, the PR staff told me that this was a, a topic and that you guys were going to ask about it. And I want to clarify that Miles Sanders is the guy. You know, they do a thing where they go three reps, three reps, three reps for the running backs and they rotate them. Um, and I guess the observation was made that, you know, Miles Sanders was taking his reps with the with the twos on Friday, you know, and uh you know, that's that's something that you do kind of focus. There's a lot of meaningless crap. Like, let's be let's be honest. There's a lot of meaningless crap that happens in camp and then that people focus on. But you can make very distinct observations like Jalen Rager has been working with the twos. Right. OK. And that's been day after day after day after day. You know, so that's one thing that you can set aside and put in a bucket. OK, he's clearly on the outside looking in Miles Sanders and the running backs. Look, I mean, they had like a four headed monster going at one point last year, you know. So so when Nick Sirianni says, hey, this is just kind of a funky quirk based on the repetition and, and and the way that we rotate these guys in the way that we use our running backs, I can believe it, you know? So I didn't, I didn't think that was, I thought that was um, a little, I don't want to say misconstrued. I don't think the beat writers said anything or did anything or blew anything out of proportion. It's just like, Hey, here's an observation. And this is what we see. And Sirianni said, this is why you're seeing that, you know, but Sanders then to come out and say, Hey, I, I want to get the respect I deserve and go on that whole angle. Look, if he feels disrespected by that, that's fine. You know, you turn that into motivation. But I would honestly argue, I I, I would ask a rhetorical question. Do do people not, do Eagles fans not respect Miles Sanders? That was like the biggest topic at the beginning of last year. You remember because he had the one game where he had one carry at halftime. Everybody was asking the Eagles to run the ball more. People were, people were calling for more of Miles Sanders. So I don't, I don't know, maybe that's, Maybe there's something lost in translation there, but I didn't I didn't think there was anything, you know, fans maybe looking for him to go from good to great or great to elite, but I don't think there was a baseline disrespect there. Nor did I. And I thought it was a legit topic of conversation because yeah. Elliot Joe Parks noted with me on WIP on Friday, he never took any second team reps, all practices, yeah. all preseason last year. Yeah. And maybe they just derivated by chance or by mistake. But I did it. So it was a legitimate question. But for Miles to get as nuts as he did about lack of respect, not just reporting, Miles. But isn't that natural, too, with with the way that running backs are used in the NFL these days? I mean, there's just there's so many teams that are just running, you know, different combinations of guys are using backs by committee. It's a passing league. So, like, nobody would be surprised you can have an RB1 who's you know going to split snaps with a bunch of guys during the regular season. So maybe if that's the way it manifests in training camp where it looks like you, the number two is taking first-team snaps and the number three is taking first-team snaps and they're doing this rotating kind of thing, then 
you know, based on the position and how running back is used in the modern day NFL, that wouldn't, that shouldn't surprise anybody or it shouldn't be concerning to anybody, you know? RB1, RB1A, RB1B, it's all RB1C. The same thing. It's all the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they can get yeah. very similar. All right, yeah. speaking of running the football, Mr. Kincaid, we all expect the Eagles to throw it more this year than they did last year. You don't go out and get A.J. Brown if that mm. isn't your game plan going forward. But what happens if we uh, come out of this first four games of the season, four very winnable games, four games that I believe the Eagles would be favored in all four of them. And they're only two and two and they're scoring less than 21 points a game. And the offense isn't clicking. How fast will the Eagles revert to, Hey, what we do best is drive block. So <laughs> we're planning on making the playoffs this year. We're going to RB one, RB one, a RB one B quarterback one, a who is yeah. an RB three. How yeah. quickly will they go back to, Run first, pass second. Well, I mean, Nick Sirianni would be smart to do that because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what got him into the playoffs last year, you know. But then it becomes the question, Jody, of what you and me and Jeff and John were talking about last year, and that is one of philosophy. You know, philosophically, do they believe that you can win in the NFL being a running team? Based on what we know about Howie Roseman and based on what we know about Jeffrey Lurie, I don't think that they want to be a running team or think that they can be the Baltimore Ravens and win a Super Bowl doing that, right? So the question is, do they make a switch to guard to Gardner Minshew or try to make it work with AJ Brown and and commit to this offense that they want to run? And just just from a macro level perspective of like we don't believe in that, you know. So you know it, it's the ultimate referendum on Jalen Hurts really because you can't use the you can't use the the excuse anymore, Jody, of like, well, he doesn't have enough offensive weapons. He has great offensive weapons. He has weapons everywhere, you know. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins. Maybe Jalen Rager works his way back into it. He's got good running backs. Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell looks good. Miles Sanders wants the respect, you know? So there's not going to be any question of, hey, there's not, there's not enough to evaluate. They're going to have plenty to evaluate Jalen Hurts. If he's not playing well and they can't throw the ball, A.J. Brown gets frustrated, you know? I would, I, would, I, I would think what they would do is they would go to Minshew or – say philosophically we're just going to get to the end of the season try to run the ball again and then we're going to use our draft assets that we kept use them for a quarterback and try to get back to throwing the ball again i just don't think jody that they think that they can be a running team and go deep in the playoffs as a running team yeah and i think when you get down 31 nothing in the playoffs running the ball isn't going to help you out too much right yeah. so no, um, no, no. now you so they're going to have to pass the ball jalen rager you mentioned you brought him up he's practicing with the second teams Jody and myself just had a healthy debate as whether should he stay should he go how do you see it does he make this final roster is he involved in, in, on special teams and if he isn't can the Eagles justify keeping a wide receiver five that doesn't play special teams no I mean it's 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 yeah well you, you well just the optics of having a first round draft pick who's just a punt returner right I mean because let's be honest there's nobody's even returning kicks in the first place anymore so when you say like returner like you're a special teams guy like those guys don't exist anymore like Devin Hester doesn't exist anymore you know I hate to say it because he was my favorite college player of all time but like Jalen Rager is kind of like a like a an even lesser version of like a Tavon Austin at this point you know, where it's like, you know, you see some flashes here and there and you're like, oh, man, you know, I know there's something in there for this guy. Like somebody like, please yank it out of him. But uh, no, I mean, they, they very obviously have made the point that he's with the twos right now, you know, and I, I think the Eagles too, like to make a concurrent point with that, I think the Eagles draft so well on the offensive line too, that if you have any guy who's like a first round draft pick or a second round draft pick, 
who's down on the depth chart, Andre Dillard, Jalen Rager. I would take whatever you can get for those guys. Because remember, you save some assets going into next year if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, you know, and you need to make a move for a quarterback, be it with a drafter and trade. So if you can compile even more, give yourself even more ammunition to move up, and these guys aren't really going to be part of it, then I would do it, you know. KK, let's flip it over to the defense. Uh, you were there on Friday, which was a day where the defense certainly got the better of the offense. Very good on the outside, making it difficult for Jalen Hurts to complete passes because Slay and Maddox and James Bradbury, the new addition to the cornerback room, uh, played very well and had the guys covered like blankets. I was a Stephen Nelson fan last year. I thought he was a really nice late, se- late preseason addition. They decided to let him walk away. Because yeah. Bradbury wasn't available yet. The Giants hadn't released him. That's why I was hoping the Eagles kept Stephen Nelson. To Howie Roseman's credit, as soon as Bradbury hit the open market, they pursued him. They went after him hard. They got mm-hmm. a deal done that they liked in that it was only one year. Actually, if he plays as well as he has in the first couple of days of practice, they may bemoan the fact that they only gave him a one-year deal. Maybe should have locked them up for multi-years because he looked great so far in practice. Uh, is that going to be a strength for the Eagles all year, their corners ability to cover? Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, you know, and it, it, you know, everybody always likes to ask these questions, Jody, like, okay, did the offense look bad on Friday or what did the, the defense look really good? You know, I mean, oftentimes this early in camp, it's kind of a little bit of both of those things, you know? Um, I didn't think on Friday when I was, I didn't think that the defense was, was uh, looked so amazing that they were causing Jalen hurts to look that bad. But I mean, the def- the defense is always ahead of the offense at this point in camp. We say we say this every year. Haven't we been saying this for like ten years? Well, it looks like the defense is further ahead of the offense right now. Well, well, no crap because it's day two. You know, I mean, that's always how it works out. But beyond that, Jody, I just I thought the linebackers looked really good. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time we went into an Eagles camp like excited about the line linebacking core. But T.J. Edwards has looked good. Davion Taylor's been around the ball. Um, Kazir White had a play on Friday where he just totally blew it up in the backfield. And uh, to, to think that that's like a strength that might be a strength of the team is crazy to me because I, I don't, you know, you can go all the way back to Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks and Michael Kendricks probably for the last like group of, you know, three really solid linebackers that they've had. And it's kind of a misnomer too, because they don't, they were a four, three team back then, but they never had three linebackers on the field. I mean, you're, you're sitting in nickel for 75% of the time. Right. So you know, based on what they do with some of the fronts, I think, you know, Mc, McMullen isn't really big into the 3-4 versus 4-3 argument <laughs> right now. But to me, it'll be interesting just to see from a standpoint of, like, how are they going to line all these guys up? Like, who, who how does that how does that result in snaps for each of these guys? You know, so you you have a really solid back end now. But if you guys have guys in front of you who can help out with that, maybe they can sit back and play cover two. Maybe they can play zone. You know, I think the thing with Bradbury – was that his numbers playing zone were a lot better than his numbers playing man. So I, I think based on who they pursued this year, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis, James Bradbury, it's, it makes me very curious to see what they're going to look like when they finally get out on the field and you know show some kind of uh, actual scheme because Jonathan Gannon will tell us that he doesn't have one. Well, you brought it up, 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, Kevin. So let's mm-hmm. go down that road because yeah. Gannon made some w- waves in the media last week by saying you know Reddick is going to – drop back in coverage when he needs to. And so we we heard he could line up as a defensive end in the 43. He could play Sam in the 34. What was your observation on Friday? Where was Reddick spending the majority of his time? 
Uh, most I didn't recognize a ton of him dropping back into coverage. I, I think philosophically, just to think to myself, if you're if you're having Hassan Reddick doing anything but rushing the quarterback, does that make sense? You know, because he's so good at it. Um, but you know, they did a lot of goofy stuff last year, Rick, where it was like, you know, you got later into the season and they were showing a variety of like they would show this three man front where they'd have two tweeners in there you know patrick johnson would would be up there and then Jannard avery so you had like two hybrids who were on the line and then coming off of it it looked like a three three five stack but they sent five guys off of it they did it again where they sent four you know i just think you're going to have this overhang you know with two linebackers out there and then you're going to have a variety of guys who are just going to call an edge you know i mean that's why we have the designation when we go into the draft like they don't know if these guys are linebackers or defensive ends that's why edge was created in the first place so um you know, schematically, I don't think I saw anything that's really jumped out to me. A couple, couple bare fronts uh, defensively on Friday. You know, where they have like the the three. You know, you have a guy over the the center and both of the guards. Right. I think that's important because they weren't that good on first down last year. Uh, you know, so if they can keep themselves out of like second and four and second and three and whatnot defensively, I think they can do more rushing the quarterback. But to answer the question, you know, I just. I, I tried to ignore where he was because I think I was just hoping to myself, just let him rush the quarterback. Anything else with Hassan Reddick just seems like it's not it's not the best use of uh, of, of what he's good at, you know? All right, KK, I saw you put a post up uh, about Jason Kelsey's statement the other day that <laughs> when the Philadelphia media thinks we're going to stink, <laughs> we're great. When we think we're going to be, then we are terrible. Uh, McMullen said, he was doing it pretty much tongue in cheek, just trying to have fun. But he did yeah. say it, and you backed it up with facts of yeah, check out the seasons. It's pretty much what Kelsey <laughs> said. Are we screwed then? Because I would say there's much more positivity around this team right now than there is negativity. Does that mean the Eagles are going to fall flat on their face? Yeah, I hope, I hope Jason Kelsey's wrong because based on the hyper here and now, they're they're in line for like a four and twelve, a four and thirteen. Yeah, you know? yeah so. But it is funny. And yeah, he, John's right because he wasn't, Kelsey wasn't saying it as like a dig on the media. Yeah, it wasn't, I think he was just more asked about expectations. I think it was a generic, generic questions about ex expectations. You could make that media extension to fans too. You know, I think every, and you go back year by year and it's exactly true. You know, nobody thought they were going to do anything last year. It was a transitional year, nine and eight in the playoffs. 2020, people thought they might turn the corner. Carson might be healthy or whatever. Doug gets fired. 2019 and 2018 people had hopes coming off the Super Bowl maybe they get back to the to the playoffs and repeat okay they had the first round loss and then they lost the Saints game so you could say they didn't reach expectations there 2017 did anybody think they were going to win the Super Bowl no 2016 probably turned out the way that people thought it was going to turn out seven and nine new quarterback new coach whatever uh you know the chip years the, these those are like a fog. I've tried to forget mostly about those, but you know. But people didn't think Jody. People didn't think that Chip was going to go ten and six his first year. You know, um, and they I think did. He, uh, I'd, I'd argue a split with that. There were there were Chip devotees yeah, right off the bat, and there were Chip questioners. I would say it was pretty split that 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 year leading in. Yeah, well, then you go back. Dream Team. Everybody thought the Dream Team was going to be good. They went eight and eight. Um, you know, then coming out of the dream team here, I think people thought, okay, we've, we've washed the stink of the dream team off, you know, maybe we'll get it corrected here. And then they went and got Andy fired. So, I mean, it, it does pretty, pretty much <laughs> there, there is a pattern there, you know, Jason's onto something when he, when he, uh, you know, when he says that, but, uh, yeah. So if he's right, then we'll hope that he's wrong for this year else. We're going to be in for a long season. Yeah. It's not going to be as good as we thought. Uh, yeah. 
I got uh, one more question for you before we let you run, KK. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does it take you to come up with 50 hot takes? It's one of my favorite things you do. How often do you roll it out there? About every three or four weeks? Yeah, no, longer than that. Now it's like three or four months because I've done so many of those. Is it that long? Damn, it seems like it's up there more often than that. No, well, that's great. If that's the perception, that's great. Uh, But I think this one took me a while because, to be quite honest, I'm just running out of takes, man. I don't have much. I was going to say, how long do you have to (laughs) compile it to be able to come up with 50? I know it gets to be some of them get to be kind of lame after a while because I moved out to the suburbs and, uh, most of those columns are kind of like a reflection on what's going on in your life at this time. And I was like having a problem with my lawnmower. So I was like, don't buy this brand of lawnmower, buy this, you know, but it's like, uh, there's enough going on in sports that there's enough to, to formulate 10 or 15. And then I'm like, Oh man, what did I buy at the grocery store today? That was annoying or, or whatever. But Hey, listen, I I'm glad people appreciate that stuff. You know, most of the times I get like one that people really, really hate and I hear about it all the time. And then they're like, yeah, but I agreed with everything else. So I'll take like, you know, 37 out of 50 or 40 out of 50 you know it's a that's a pretty good number yeah it's yeah. A, it's a, always the one that the fans are gonna let you know about right? yeah they didn't uh, like the potato take jody the potatoes you know i i just i think they're kind of filler you know you go get like hash browns at like brunch or something that's just kind of there nobody goes to get the hash browns it's like i'm there for the omelet yeah but they got to fill the plate with something so they put some like half-assed potatoes on there and you know, people, apparently there's a lot of potato fans in the Delaware Valley. Uh, yeah, chalk me up as one of them as well. Uh, I'm, <laughs> if the potatoes are not up to snuff, it does bring the quality yeah. of the entire meal down. I know, yeah, I'm going to have the whole... I'm I guess have the I'm whole, a Delaware Valley snob like everybody else. I'm going to have the whole country of Ireland. Just don't make sure they don't see that. <laughs> make sure, I didn't make even sure think about that. Takes, it could be an Irish thing. <laughs> make sure 50 Hot Takes doesn't doesn't make its way ever to uh, Dublin or Cork or anything like that. You know. So. I, I lied. I got one more thing I want to touch right. on with you before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Non-Eagle related. In the show today, while John was still, McMullen was he, still here, Sue Robinson decided after dragging her feet for weeks to see if the NFL and the NFLPA could come up with a compromise position on Deshaun Watson. Today, she acts early and comes out with her statement as of uh, 820 rather than 920. Six games as of right now. The NFLPA said last night when it was reported that there would probably be an announcement first thing in the morning that Mm -hmm. they will not be uh, appealing. They will accept whatever punishment she comes down with. The NFL, of course, did not respond. They called for the NFL to make that promise as well, that we'll all accept what Sue Robinson said. Now, the NFL knows that they have the hammer and can adjust any way that they want. How do you think this is going to shake out? What do you think the time frame is going to be? Do they just uh, both acknowledge that, yes, we've got a new process and Sue Robinson worked as hard as she did. We'll both accept the six games, which seems rather light, uh, will the NFL appeal? How long is it going to take? How do you see this uh, Deshaun Watson next step coming down? I have to admit, I didn't get to read up on the details of this latest, um, you know, page in the chapter. But I think from a macro level, when I look at the Deshaun Watson story, like I don't think anybody's going to be happy or satisfied. You know, I think most people probably said like, oh, six is our guess. You know, there's people who will say like, this guy shouldn't play this year. You know, or the brother never, never forgive the Browns for bringing in a guy like this ever, you know? So I, I don't, no matter how it plays out, I think there's going to be probably a bad taste left in, left in everybody's mouth. You know, I just think it's like a, probably an L for the portion of Eagles fans who said, oh, you got to go out and get this guy, you know? Cause like, look, if, if this situation happened in the Eagles right now, say that everything is the same in a vacuum, 
you go out and get AJ Brown, you got a wide receiver one, you got a good team coming back, you make defensive improvements. You know, if it was the Eagles, they'd be going six games with Minshew, and then Deshaun Watson would be coming in, and then they're still hanging over your head because you don't know how it's going to be resolved. You know, so I just, I, I don't know. I just wish there was a better process for all this stuff, like streamline this kind of stuff. You know, what is Roger Goodell's involvement? You know, I, I mean, it's like, seems like you have something like this that happens every couple of seasons or every season. There's always like one big story like this. So um, I, I don't, I don't really know how it's going to play. I'm very curious to see how it plays out though. But, um, you know, just, it's, I, I don't think you could, I don't think you're going to, I think no matter what the resolution is, there's people are probably going to be unhappy one way or another. So. Oh, what else is new? KK, yeah, always yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, again, grass is green and the sky is blue. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and potatoes are just a plate filler. Well, at least that's according <laughs> exactly to Kevin right. KK. Uh, KK, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate it whenever you have fun. Continued success for the site. Have good times whenever you get to camp. Feel free to make fun of McMullen when you get there because he's a potato <laughs> guy too. Uh, so thanks for coming out with us today, buddy. All right. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Rick. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks, Kevin. That is Kevin Kincaid of uh, Crossing Broad. All right. We got to come back. We've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Eagle point or two, what we will look for at practice day, if anything. And I do want to get a uh, second or third thought from Ricky on this uh, Deshaun Watson case. I just did note how long the NFL has to appeal and how it actually runs up against something that the NFL was probably looking to highlight and showcase, not talking about a suspension. We'll, we'll fill in the blanks for you when we come back. Rick Saratella, Jerry McDonald, coming back to wrap up Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
This is Birds 365. Your buddy Jody Mac hanging out. Rick Saratella is in for John McMullen. Those of you just tuning in. Um, and it will be the same again tomorrow. John, of course, gets over to Eagle uh, training camp on days that they practice. So he usually starts the show here with us in a guest role. And we'll do so again tomorrow with Rick being my co-host. And then runs off to practice on days that Eagles don't have practice. And McMullen will be here. Uh, and the Mac and Mac thing will go. Um, so John was on with us early, gave us his read of the defense better than offense first three days of practice. And while we were talking to John about the Eagles, the announcement came down that Sue Robinson, independent judge, uh, that is, uh, it, uh, was the person overseeing the hearing for Deshaun Watson and his punishment, uh, took upwards of a month for them to decide that it's going to be a six game suspension. But as soon as the decision was rendered, the clock started. The NFL now has three days. So does the NFLPA. But the NFLPA already came out and said, we're not going to appeal. We're going to accept Judge Robinson. They probably had a pretty good inkling of what the punishment was going to be. And it was going to only, and yes, I'm saying only, be six games. So you see where my opinion is going. Um, They said they weren't going to appeal. The NFL did not say that. I think there's... A 95% chance the NFL will appeal and Roger Goodell will self-adjust the punishment. They need to do so in the next three days, Rick. There is only a three-day window that either side has to appeal unless both sides agree to extend that deadline. That's not happening. The NFLPA already came out and said, yeah, we're not not, uh, appealing. We're going to accept whatever Judge Robinson says. So it will not be extended. It will just be three days. The NFL has to make its mind up during those three days. Oh, by the way, that takes us to Thursday, which, oh, by the way, is the first day of the season. The Hall of Fame game is Thursday night in Canton. Did I want to take away from that? Roger Goodell's got a balancing act to do here, Rick, because he wants to get a feeling from the NFL fans. He was critiqued pretty harshly when the whole Ray Rice thing came down. Hit him with the suspension. Then the video came out, and he said, oh, my God, how did Goodell go so soft on Ray Wright? So he and the league are both very sensitive to this. How does this play? How many days does Roger try and get feedback, try and get the perception level on how this is being judged by the fan base, and then how does he react thereafter? Uh, we know what the time frame looked like now, what uh, the bookends we're looking at. Where in the middle does Roger Goodell Speaking for the league, decide to say we are appealing it, we're not appealing it. Uh, when do you think that call comes? Well, I mean, if if the NFLPA had an inkling of what it might be, then Roger Goodell certainly knew what the suspension might look like, right? So I, I don't think it, it's like okay, well now I have to react and and decide. I think he kind of had an idea, so hopefully he he thought it through, and I think he will take at least twenty four hours to let the news cycle process to gather that feedback, and again. I think Godell winds up looking like a rose at the end of the day because even if he he taps on another four games and makes it a 10-game suspension, well, then he looks like the good guy coming out of this. And I think there will be more games. Six games doesn't feel like it's enough. Uh, it doesn't really penalty, penalize Watson financially at all. It doesn't penalize the Browns from a competitive standpoint because, you know, six games, if they like I said earlier, if they go three and three, they're still going to be in that playoff mix. So I think a harsher penalty does come down the wire. Now, maybe the Hall of Fame game plays into their advantage. Well, hey, we released the news, and guess what? There's a game tonight, and everybody will be tuning in talking about that. 
or you think it'll be more as a distraction than anything else? Hey, uh, that's uh, if I'm Roger Goodell, that's not what I want. I'm not looking to take cover in behind our first game of the year. It's supposed to be, hey, football is back, not hey, football is back. So we're not talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I, I don't think he will be looking at, at it that way. I said this last week here on Birds 365 and a couple other my broadcast location. And it pains me to say it because the Cleveland Browns came into this with their eyes wide open when they traded for Deshaun Watson, when they guaranteed him every penny of his $230 million contract. They knew what they were buying into. So the fact that it's been disruptive and they're going to have to do without their quarterback – they set the contract up so that he would only lose minimally uh, with whatever the suspension was. So I had no empathy whatsoever for the uh, Browns. And then it started to build a little bit with every waiting day and week and a month before the decision came down. Now they're going to have to wait a couple more days until Roger Goodell acts. You got any sympathy for the Cleveland Browns? No, I think it's a disgrace, you know, what they did. And uh, I think, a lot of owners around the league were upset with, with Jimmy Haslam at the owners meetings. My understanding was he got kind of the, uh, the ice cold uh, uh, greeting for welcoming from the fellow owners, because not only did he slap the NFL in the face and say, we don't care. We're all about winning, but he also set a precedent for the quarterback contracts and guarantees. And you're doing it to a guy who really doesn't look like a good guy. And, um, you know, the 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 GM there is really not a quote unquote football guy. Um, they saw an opportunity to get their team better. And now, you know, I don't know. I mean, listen, you got Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson in that division. So even a six game penalty, you've got to beat the Ravens. You got to beat the Bengals. Uh, the Steelers are no easy out. Say what you want with Big Ben retiring. They're still going to be competitive. So, you know, is this just a lost season for the Browns? Possibly, but I don't think anybody's feeling sorry for him. No, I actually did. As it dragged on as long as it did, it came in about this much. But as soon as it is over and done with, I'll go back to that feeling. No sympathy for the Browns whatsoever. And, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson looking bulked up. I saw him on the NFL Network this morning. Up to 230 pounds. Said he wow. usually plays at about 205 or 208. He put on 20 pounds of muscle this year. Very interesting season. If he even plays, because we know he hasn't been able to work out his contract just yet. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun division to watch. All right, our division, Eagles division, uh, before we put a bow on the show here. I still have it as a two-team race. It's the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Eagles and the Cowboys they asked me to make the pick right now. I put the Eagles ahead of the Cowboys by this much. You got a good separation between the top two teams. You see it the same way I do. Top two, then the other two, the Commanders and Giants, or is there one of the two bottom teams Do you think can jump up and make it a three-team divisional race and, yeah, maybe one team lagging behind? With the rosters currently constructed the way they are, I do think there is a division uh, within the division. I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are the cream of the crop. I, too, believe the Eagles are the best team. However, I mean, the, the, the commanders are a divisional rival. They'll probably split with Washington. I think they'll probably split with the Cowboys. They should sweep the Giants. And so that would be four and two within their own division. I think that would set them up. You know, I think this is a 10-11 win team. I think it's a playoff team. I think 
getting that home field advantage in that first round means something. And that's what they should be playing for. But yeah, I think currently it's the Eagles and the Cowboys and I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy, not a big Daniel Jones believer. Now, again, Jimmy G could change the dynamic of that giants offense and maybe knock off a couple guys, but right now, no way. You think of Jimmy G coming east? We shall see. All right, that'll uh, just about do it. Good job out of you, Sarah Teller, t- uh, today. Doing the same again tomorrow, right? Johnny Mack is head off to practice, so you'll be here with me at the top of the show? Yeah, we'll be back at it again tomorrow, and then uh, final cameo on Friday before I hit my training camp tour. I know we jumped on the show this morning. I didn't even get a chance to congratulate you on your new gig, Jody. Hardest working man in showbiz, and uh been an honor and a privilege to chop it up with you, brother. Well, uh, hardest working. How much work do we really do here? We sit in front of a camera and just be out about football for two hours. It's not exactly manual labor you and I are doing here, Sarah. Tell, let's be honest. Uh, but uh, thanks, bud. Appreciate the uh, well wishes. I'll be here tomorrow. Sarah, tell be here. McMona be here right at the start. So uh, 22 hours from now, two and two, we're coming back here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.